0: Uh, I really, I really do like this quote that I stole, and and it tells why you need to learn lessons from the desert, and because the place is demanding, it it builds character, because it's destructive, it builds interdependence, because it's isolating, it builds community, and because it's the desert, it builds nations, and... Uh, current events are helping turn everybody's eyes back to these deserts, but uh, we're looking at them from the period of time that the Israelites wandered the wilderness or the desert for 40 years. And they wandered that because they chose not to follow God's laws. And that led them to this period of time where God taught them that they could trust him. And God taught them over and over that there there are elements that God put in the desert just to speak to his people. And I wonder how much different our lives look if we start to look at everything in our life as a possible moment where God is trying to speak to us. So part three of this is seasons, seasons, and the acacia tree, and uh, we'll we'll start with some scripture from Psalm chapter Psalm one of all of them, verses one through three. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. How many of you spend a lot of time reading the first song? You're gonna hear it a bunch today, okay? And I love it because I get this picture in my mind. We have a creek that runs through our land and the trees that are near the creek are always in good shape until they're not because they're cottonwoods and they'll die for no reason. But uh, such a beautiful, worthless tree. Can't burn it very long. Anyway, we won't go into it. You can't build with it. They're they're worthless. But they're really pretty when they turn yellow, unless you're on a golf course, and then all those leaves look just like your ball. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll quit chasing rabbits. But the acacia tree is the tree that I believe David was referencing. And, And it doesn't sound like... Well, Pastor, you just read it's a, stream that, it's a tree that's planted by streams of water. Yes, yes it is. And yes, it's in the middle of the desert. And the acacia tree, the reason I think David and uh, other authors throughout the Bible choose this tree, they, they don't directly reference it, but it's the tree they have in mind. is because it has wood that's strong enough to build with. If you go back and you read about the early tabernacle that the, the children of Israel are going to use in the wilderness, most of the implements are built with acacia wood. Because they're in the desert, they had to use what they had. Acacia wood's the only wood you'll find in the desert strong enough to build with. It burns hotter than other firewood of the desert. And, and we know this if you've ever thrown an elm log on, and then thrown a piece of this nasty red cedar we have out here on, there's a difference in temperature. And it'll wreck your fireplace, but we won't chase that that either. Uh, The sap from the acacia was used to make medicine or ancient types of glue or bonding material. And it puts on these little bitty seed pods. If you take those seed pods and you take eight cups of it, and you boil it in water, you can feed a camel for a whole week. And to put that in perspective for you, a camel at an average feeding will eat eight to 10 times what a horse will. So you people that have horses can kind of figure out how good this feed really is. And I'm thinking if it would fatten them up, cattle people everywhere are gonna start planting acacia trees. It doesn't really fatten them up, it's just a sustaining fuel. So the acacia tree builds, provides warmth and light. It heals, it feeds, it shelters. The one I left off there is it brings things together. Man, that sounds like exactly what Christians are called to be. But for 8 to 11 years, the acacia tree looks exactly like this. Man! And I'm going to keep throwing that picture up there to take you back to it. Anybody have trees in your yard that look like that? Around here, they don't last very long if they look like that, do they? No leaves, no signs of life at all. It looks absolutely dead. Back to Psalms, chapter 1. He is like a tree that's planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does prospers. Does this tree look like it's prospering? It has no leaves on it at all right now. So, Pastor, how can you say this is the tree he's talking about? Because he talks about it in the sense of it understands seasons. The acacia tree, better than any tree in the world, understands what its season is. And its season to bloom and to be full of life is about once every 8 to 11 years. Because it, it's right there, if you see the rock all around it, that's the bottom of what we call a wadi in the wilderness. And if just to catch some of you up because you weren't able to be here, that, that's one of the most dangerous places in all of the desert. More people die there than anywhere else because they don't die from dehydration they don't die from heat exertion they die from drowning when it rains all that water runs down those rocks and comes flooding through that area it makes a stream in the desert and that little tree is smart enough to be planted right there jeremiah has a scripture i believe is about this tree as well blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. In no way in my natural mind when I read it do I think this is that tree but there's something going on in this tree that we don't realize. The acacia tree has some of the deepest roots in the world. It drives its roots deep into the hard soil of the desert. And while it looks absolutely dead, it's being rooted and it's hanging on and waiting for that exact time when the moisture comes. It's not dead. It's not sleeping. It's actively waiting for that season to where it bears fruit. We're told in Colossians, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted. Some of these guys that I watched grow up in church camp, it's ringing a bell. (laughs) Because that was a theme one year. They're rooted. As Christians, we're called in a world that's just like a desert. I mean, it's absolutely like the desert of the Negev. That it's harsh, it's demanding. It, more times you feel like you're losing than you're winning. And God's called us to be rooted deeply and built up in Jesus Christ. So that we're established in faith, as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Well, man, I don't have, I don't have that much to be thankful for. Uh, I'd like to take you to parts of the world where you look extremely wealthy and beautiful and, and empowered. I'd like to take you on those walks. You always have something, and we're entering that season where we celebrate thanksgiving, but I want you to understand your thanksgiving needs to be rooted in the fact that all the stuff of this world is not all there is for you. When you have a relationship with Jesus, the stuff of this world is exactly that. It's stuff. And it comes and it goes. And when it comes, it feels really good. When it goes, we feel grief. We feel hurt sometimes. Other times, you know, you're delivered from that lemon of a vehicle. You're delivered from that ornery steer, that wild heifer, that angry old cow. I mean, we can... You're no, I'm not gonna say in-laws or children. That would be horrible. It'd be funny, but it'd be horrible. But the way that we get through this life is we're rooted. And sometimes as Christians, we feel like, God, you're not really using me right now. God, I you're not even talking to me right now. I can't hear you. You're so far away. You have to be rooted because the if you go back to Genesis when God set the stars in the sky and created seasons so that we could mark the seasons by the stars in the heavens he put the seasons there for us to have the hope that when life is bad when it's awful when nothing is going your way that it's just a season when the hits keep coming it's just a season you're not stuck there because the seasons always change I love the beauty of spring because it's a promise of new life. I love that we're celebrating a couple and their baby that's coming into this world. That is like spring right here in front of our eyes. It's beautiful. But at the same time, there are people in our community that are grieving the passing of a life. And that's like the season of fall transitioning to winter. The seasons come and they go but they're never meant to stay the same. And, and the, the struggle we run into as Christians is we, we feel sometimes like, God, you're not answering me. You're not using me. I, I'm not doing anything. But the question I have for you in that moment is, are you rooted? Because if you're rooted, you're actively doing something even though you feel inactive. If you go back to what the psalmist said, that he meditates on the law of God day and night. Are you rooted in the Word of God to where you focus on it? When your mind wanders, does it wander to the Word of God or does it wander to your troubles? You have to train your mind. Paul talks about that in Romans be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. You have to retrain the way that you think. If the season you're going through right now is terrible, retrain your mind to understand, yes it's bad, but it's not here to stay. That little tree looks hopeless. I keep coming back to it and it's, there's some of you feel like this sermon's lasting 8 to 11 years waiting on that tree to do something. I feel that. I know there's food back there. Don't think I'm a dummy. My nose is not working great with all the stuff in the air, but I can smell the food. So I'm right there with you. But this is what Jesus said. One of the last things He said before He ascended, and and I glazed over it so many times until God started to lay this message on my heart. Jesus dealt with seasons. Seasons. Jesus understood seasons just like we do. If you follow the life of His ministry, He, early in His childhood, experienced what we would call early childhood trauma because He and His family abruptly had to get up and move to avoid being killed as an infant. They move back. They go to a, he becomes a apprentice in his father's shop. And then his dad is out of the picture scripturally. We don't ever hear about his dad again. That's dramatic for a young man. Thankfully, Jesus knew who his father was. Jesus understood a season of popularity. And He understood a season of rejection. And this is the thing He says to His disciples. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons... To put it simply, you don't have to understand the time and the season that God has you in. It's not for you to know. He was answering a very simple question with a very deep thought. The question that they ask is Is this not when you're going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus just simply said, It's not for you to understand that time and that season you know how many times you'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure out when this season of your life will end? This is the the season where our kids just go haywire. The closer we get to Halloween, the crazier it gets in our house. And guess what? We get like a three-day break, and then they realize Christmas is coming. Because they're just like everybody else's kids. They're going to skip over Thanksgiving. Because Walmart skipped it. I mean, they barely got Halloween in this year. Don't ask Walmart to tell you the time and the seasons because they're going to mess it up. But it's not for you to know. Don't waste your time and your energy and your emotion and your effort on understanding the seasons. Because God's already fixed it by His own authority. What a powerful statement right there. God has already said when it's going to end. I live my life by that because God has numbered the days I have on this earth. And when He says they're done, I'm not going to fight Him on it. I'm going to go running to the arms of Jesus. Because this life, as much as I love the people in it, as much as I love all the wonderful things God's blessed me with, they can't hold a candle to what He has in store for me in heaven. And when the season of this life is over, I'm not going to mourn for it. I can promise you that. But God's already set the time and the season. He knew you were going to be in this place of struggle. He knew you were going to be in this place of success where things are all going your way. He knew where you were going to be in this exact moment and where you'll be tomorrow and the day after and the day after because He set that by His authority. But He didn't leave it there. He went on. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You don't have to live under the struggle of the seasons because you're going to have the power to endure every season that you're in because you'll have the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make you My witness. In whatever season you're in, but especially in your hometown, in your region, in your state, and to all the ends of the earth. I gave you my power so you wouldn't get stuck. You wouldn't get hung up on the season. But you would be my witnesses. And you would be that tree that's planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season does that mean it's always going to be great no but when it's great it's time for you to bloom and bear fruit you better get after it because this ugly little dried up stick of a tree is demanding it's demanding you to answer questions in your life are you trusting god enough to be rooted Even when everything's going bad, are you still rooted in the Word of God? Are you still rooted in your relationship with Jesus, being empowered by His Holy Spirit? Are you striving to be that acacia tree, that gift of the desert that's providing something that can be built on? It's providing nourishment. It's providing warmth, comfort. It's bringing people together rather than ripping them apart. And is the season you're in eroding your ability to trust God and bear fruit? Or are you pushing past the seasons and tapping in to the Holy Spirit of God inside you that instead of being that stick of a tree, you're the gift of the desert? Can you imagine wandering for miles and miles in oppressive heat over sharp rocks and you top the hill and you see that thing? I'm telling you, we, we talked about shade already, but the acacia is so much more than shade. It's the promise that the season you're in is not going to last forever. It's the promise that if you're faithful, God is, God is more than faithful. And He'll take your faithfulness and He'll help you to bear fruit in season. I love the fact that God called us to be seasonal fruit bearers because it's it's hard to produce all the time. You can't. Anyone that grows crops around here, you don't plant a kernel of wheat and expect it to produce the next day. You don't expect it to produce in the next six weeks. It's not going to put more wheat on because it has to go through a season. Church, if, if you feel like God's not using you right now, stay rooted. Stay faithful. Stay in His Word. And you'll be amazed that you'll be that. That gift of the desert at just the right time. Because what, did the, what was the thing with the, the shepherd? The lesson of the desert with the shepherd is God is going to give you just enough at just the right time. We're not all called to be Billy Graham. We're not all called to to step into arenas full of people and lead them to the Lord. Sometimes we're called just to be rooted and let God bring those people wandering through this desert of a life into your shade, into your comfort, into your care and your compassion to where you can speak to them when they're resting and can hear it. If you're a note taker or you want to just punch this in on your phone, this is one of the most beautiful prayers of the Bible that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And and we're going to close with this today. And it's my prayer for each of you, but it's it's also a prayer that I, I pray over myself because this is what it means to be rooted. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you will be that tree as planted by streams of living water never failing to produce its fruit in season. Heavenly Father,